0: Hey there, Annie and Julie here. We just wanted to pop in real quick before we dive into this episode and announce our new show name. We're excited to announce that we're rebranding the Investing for Good podcast as... The Life and Money Show. Now, this new name reflects the broad focus of our episodes and guests thus far and allows us to tell even more stories about living a meaningful and intentional life by design while also making an impact. We're extremely grateful for your support and listenership as we've grown this podcast and are excited to begin this new chapter so we can bring you even more valuable stories and insights. With that, let's dive into the episode.
1: Pay the interest on your loan first right? One of the biggest pieces of value that we create while we're doing this, just this flow of cash is that we we're paying interest on the loan, but because we're continually flowing money into it, we're paying simple interest on the loan. But the money that's growing in my account is growing on a compound basis.
0: You're listening to the life and money show. A podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families, and impacting the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hello, hello, everyone. Annie Dickerson here, together with my awesome co host, Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? I am doing fantastic coming off of the Thanksgiving
2: weekend, Thanksgiving holiday as we're recording this today. But just love having that, that time to just unwind. We didn't go anywhere. We didn't do anything, which was kind of a vacation in and of itself, just being able to sit around at the house with the kids. And we went, we did get out every day. The weather is beautiful right now, hiking and biking and just, you know, eating a ton and Soaking up that tryptophan from the turkey,
0: but uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. I think that's the one. Well, one of the benefits of this pandemic is that I think it's given us all a newfound appreciation for that staycation that that time with our kids. I was telling you, you know, I think for the first time in my life, I love being a mom. You know. <laughs> <laughs> It would be like school would be out for a week and I'd be like, what the heck do I do with my kids for a week? It's like, we always talk about like, we want this extra time with our kids, but then we'd get it and we'd be like, ah, I don't know what to do with them. Go back to school. But now it's like, I can't get enough. It's like, I think through this pandemic and the shift in priorities, the shift in our business and the way that we do things and being very intentional with our time, it's made such a huge difference. And we've talked about this for us. We spent Thanksgiving up in a tree house, yes. you know, 47 feet above the ground, <laughs> so the house complete with suspension bridges and everything. Uh-huh. And it was great. We hunkered down. We, got, we had lots of crafts and Legos and things in the tree house because when you book a tree house, you want to spend as much That's time as do. possible right. in the actual tree house. And it had right. a loft in there for the kids. So they got to sleep upstairs mm-hmm. in the loft and they loved that. Unfortunately, I came home with some poison ivy. Or poison oh, oak, yeah. rather. Oh, no,
2: okay. yeah. So that's a bummer,
0: but um, it's an adventure. And it's also in some roundabout way, I think the poison oak is a good reminder to be grateful for, <laughs> for her health. You know, itching, but the health. Yeah. You know, minor thing. It's a minor annoyance, but it's not some catastrophic health issue. And I think I so love for it that I'm- I am very grateful.
2: <laughs> Turning pain into gratitude. i go. <laughs> all about that. I, we were just at UPW virtual and that's with right. Tony Robbins a week or so ago. <laughs> I think that's so much of this year in 2020, trying to see the good in the year. And there's so much like when you start focusing on that, you start thinking about all the good things and all of the things that have come out of the, the craziness and the chaos of 2020, there's so much to be grateful for. So I love that.
0: Yes, absolutely. And speaking of time and flexibility, time with your family, I know the one thing that we talked about, I think really early on when we had initially met was about, you know, putting your money to work for you. And yeah. I still remember, you. I think you've talked about this on a previous episode, but that aha moment that you had when you realized when you're growing up, you're taught that when you have a dollar, you have to choose. Do you spend it? Or do you save it yep. or do you invest it? You know, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to choose one thing to do with it. And that aha moment for you and for me, I think, when we realized there's ways, there's strategies out there that will allow you to take a single dollar and mm-hmm. put it to work for you in multiple ways. And that's exactly what we talk about mm-hmm. on today's episode featuring Rod Zabrisky and Christian Allen of Money Insights. And I had originally met them back when I first stumbled into this world of whole life insurance and had no idea what the heck it was all about. And they were able to explain it to me as they do on this podcast, this whole foreign concept of setting up a whole life insurance policy and then using that to maximize your investments and your returns and using that as a wealth building strategy, which I know you do as well.
2: Yeah. I love this episode because we've had people on the show before to talk to the audience about whole life investing and how it works and what it is and what it all means but on the show today, I feel like we were really able to dive deeper. It's almost like the series two or series three. Um, So if you are listening to this for the first time and you don't know anything about whole life insurance, it's a great episode, but you might wanna go back and listen to some of our previous episodes that we had with Ryan Lee or MC Lobsher, because those ones will really give you the high level, what is a whole life insurance policy and how does it work? And then in today's episode, we got to deep dive into how do we use it when we're ready to use it for investing? Now I've got my policy set up. Now I want to use it for investing. How do I do that? We talked about the fees and why fees are bad, but why really in the long run, it's not so bad after all. And we talked about the retirement, how we're able to potentially leverage this. Let's say another 2009 hits and you're turning 65 and you're retiring and you need to supplement your income. This whole life insurance policy is a Way to be able to do that and not have to be obligated to pay that money back. And we talk about that in detail um, towards the end of the show of talking about that, but it was just such a great one because I feel like we were able to really get more granular. Whereas the other mm-hmm. episodes, we talked more high level. And so yeah, was, was amazing.
0: Yeah. And for all our listeners out there who are Rod and Christian talk about using whole life policies in conjunction with investing in alternative investments like real estate syndications. So if you're listening to this and well, first prepare to have your mind blown with all that's talked about, but also if you're new to the world of real estate syndications, a great place to start is to grab a free hardcover copy of our book, Investing for Good. We've purchased a copy just. Just for you. All you have to do is help us out and pay the shipping and handling costs and we'll get your copy out to you. Just text the word book to 41404. And before we dive into the episode, we just wanted to highlight we, some of the listener love. We love all the reviews that are coming in. We read every single one and it means so much to us that this podcast and these conversations are making a real difference in your lives. And so I wanted to highlight a recent review by Jay Richardson IV, I believe. Jay Richardson says, Julie and Annie provide real strategies to help you live the life you want. If you want great content and insights, make sure to subscribe so you heard him subscribe and be sure to take notes on this episode because as julie said we really dive in deep to a lot of the granular stuff so without further ado here it is our conversation with rod zabriskie and christian allen rod christian welcome to the show how are you
1: Doing great. Yeah, Thanks we're for having happy us. Happy to be here.
0: Just well, happy good. Here. <laughs> we're happy to have you both here. Now, Rod and Christian. We first met when I originally stumbled into this whole crazy world of whole life insurance, bumbling my way through and really <laughs> not knowing what the heck I was doing. But thankfully, I found you guys and you were able to explain it all to me, show me this incredible wealth building strategy and make it all seem doable. And most importantly, I think just not scary. And that's exactly what you do do now through your company, Money Insights, which was founded on the principle that off-the-shelf products and solutions often do not meet the needs of high-income earners. And we'll definitely dig into all of that, as well as your experience and wisdom around financial planning, investing, and whole life insurance, and more. But first, let's start with your stories, which is something that always fascinates us. Now, financial planning and whole life insurance aren't exactly careers that you dream about as a kid. (laughs) So I'd love to hear about how you both got into it. Christian, let's start with you. How did you get into all of this?
3: Okay, so I totally agree with you. Like financial planning, and especially when you say whole life insurance, it's (laughs) Is there anything more boring, like seriously? So yeah, I'm with you hundred percent, but I'll tell you how I kind of stumbled into it. Cause that's exactly what I did. I stumbled into it, but I have kind of an interesting story, right? I, I grew up in just maybe a middle to upper middle class family. I had uh, six presidents. So-, so there were seven of us, like a really good childhood. And however, when I got into high school, I guess I would have been 18 ish. And when I was 18, my dad got pancreatic cancer and he died, I guess it was about a year later. And what happened was for me is my mom kind of was kind of left on her own. She was in now in a challenging situation where she had been a typical mom. She'd run the house and seven kids. She had not run at least the financial planning side of it, although she she was smart and had done a lot of the finances in general. But what happened was she got taken advantage of by people that she should have been able to trust. And because of that, when me having to getting the chance to dive into it and see what I could do to help her, that's kind of what was my foot in the door. We saw some of the challenges that she had had and luckily we were able to correct some of them. Although I will say this, she was, she actually lost, she had gotten, I think about $500,000 of life insurance proceeds, and I think eighty thousand went into a real estate deal that ended up being not a real estate deal or or at least it was real estate deal that at least partially fake right and so so anyway, she had some rough situations that came up, and that gave me a chance to kind of dive in and really, what happened is is I felt like there's got to be a better way there's got to be good people doing the right thing for people and so my initiation was just trying to take care of my mom and and then I found a career that I really loved and able to thrive in.
0: Wow. So you were you were 18, 19 at this time?
3: Yeah. So and and maybe I'll give a little bit more timeline. I started in the industry when I was 21. When I was my dad passed when I was 19. And so it would have been kind of the 19 to 21 timeframe. I was a missionary for my church at the time. And when I came back I really kind of dove into it and started to think about really making a career out of it. And, like, luckily, I found something that fit my personality, allowed me to grow and, and thrive. And it's been a really good career. And Rod and I have been together now about 10 years, 10 or 11 years.
0: Wow. So you said you have six or seven brothers and sisters. Which, yep. where in the lineup are you?
3: I'm number five. So number five. I have a bunch of that's older siblings, but a couple. Yeah. Huh.
0: That's fascinating because I would have thought maybe the oldest child would take on that? What was it about the situation that really drew you in that you were, I need to dig into this. I need to help my mom with this situation. Yeah, that's
3: actually a good question. So I can get a little bit more granular on that part. I had started learning about it independently, learning about financial kind of financial services. I had a cousin who was in the industry. He kind of recruited me when I was at 21 years old And that kind of those things together. So my mom didn't initially have issues, or at least she didn't know that she had issues, right? The initial investments took place. And then it was probably a year and a half, two years later before I come along. I'm I'm looking into a career in the financial services industry. And then those two kind of marry together and I'm able to do some things to help her. But but like I said, I was a little too late. So but it did inspire me. It got me into the industry. And and like I said, I'm forever grateful for that. And luckily we've had enough success that my mom is in good shape these days.
0: Good. Glad to hear that. Well, Rod, what about you? Did you have any interest in it early on or how did you stumble into it?
1: That's a great question. So I definitely didn't come. When I was in college, I found a rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki, (laughs) and it changed my life in a few different ways. So part of it, I'll get into in a little bit, but part of it was that, that I had this vision that I wanted to own my own business, right? So I'm in college. I graduated in marketing communications, decided I want to go back and do an MBA, figure out what it all looks like to, to run a business. So I did that. But the whole whole idea was at the time I thought I knew what it, what I wanted to build in terms of a business, but the more I got into my, the MBA program, I realized, you know what? I can't handpick the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Chances are, it's going to come along. I'm going to, I'm going to jump on it and it's going to work out. And so Obviously it didn't all happen that easily but that's ultimately the way it worked out. Just like Christian said, we've worked together for about 10 years now and it's evolved, right? The way that we've worked together and then ultimately forming money insights and the way we do things now has has all evolved over time. But that was kind of my big thing was I wanted to take my future into my own hands, right? Kind of do it in in different ways both in terms of of my career and owning a business, but also in terms of the way that I invest and, and all of those things. Mm-hmm.
0: That's really, that's always fascinated me because Julie is like that. She's always known that she wanted to own a business mm-hmm. and my whole <laughs> life, I wanted to stay away from owning a business. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was it when you were in college, you picked up that book and you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and what was it that you were like, oh my gosh, I want to own a business. Was it the control? Was it the finances? What
1: was it? It was the cash flow quadrant. So, so explain
0: that for our yeah, listeners who may not be familiar.
1: Right. So, so there are kind of two sides of the cash flow quadrant. On, on the left side, you have your employees, just W two employees, and then you also have your self employed. So owning a business doesn't necessarily write the ticket, right? If you don't do it in the right way, so you could be self employed and still fall under some of those things where it's less advantageous in terms of building wealth, right? And then you have the right-hand side where you have business owners and you have investors. And so I wanted to be, again, a business owner, do it in, in a way to where it it actually builds wealth. And, and so that's where, again, also in, just in conjunction with investing and jumping into different ways to invest. For me, actually, the biggest thing was the way to think about investing, right? Mm-hmm. It was very different than what I had heard from a lot of the gurus, and all that kind of thing. And so it just opened my mind to a very different way of approaching things.
0: Interesting. Okay. So you're out there in the world and you're open. You know, you want to own a business or be part of a startup or business growth. You're out there and you're like, I don't know quite what it is, but you're open to the opportunity. And over here is Christian somewhere else in the world. And Christian's fascinated by the world of personal finance and Possibly insurance, I don't know at this point, but lots of detailed technical financial <laughs> paperwork stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah, so. and, and anyone knows that that's me. Like, I just love those. De- no, I'm just kidding. That is not me. the details,
0: is not me. that's
1: actually Rod, Thank you. Yeah. So
0: then, Okay, so then how did you two come together?
1: Yeah, so Christian was running a t- sales team. Basically, he was a manager recruiting new people to come on board with a group working in the, the life insurance world. And so at the time I was doing health insurance and he needed health insurance. So we met <laughs> and and he recruited me over to be onto his team. And so that's how we started working together. We, independent, he was doing his thing. I was doing mine, but he was kind of becoming a mentor for me and in kind of building up this this business. And then little by little. Like he said, he's not great with the details and the paperwork and stuff. And so he, we started teaming up on some of those things. Rod, going I'm, doing I'm supposed together. to say that, not you. I <laughs> already did. So okay, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like Pictionary. Once you say the word, it's open game. You can, you can <laughs> go, go with that. So. <laughs> but
3: yeah, we've been super lucky. I mean, ha- we've had an incredible partnership for 10 years. The one thing about Rod is he's about as trustworthy of a person as exists. And so it's made our our partnership work and be like pretty, you know, we haven't had issues at all. So we've been really lucky that way. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Rod's as good of a person as I think you meet.
0: So then when you met, so Christian, you were looking, you were buying health insurance and you met Rod through that exchange. And so were you at that point, were you, had you already launched Money Insights or were you looking to start a business?
3: Yeah, good question. So I had started in the financial services industry and I'd find started to have like some level of success. I was, I was on the management team at a, at a local agency, kind of building a group of people, building a team. Right. And Rod, like Rod said, he was selling health Insurance and what happened was I didn't actually purchase from him, so that's that's a a kind of funny thing, right? Now that doesn't that says more has more to do with the product than the than the person. But like, what was funny is he was professional, but he was great at follow through. And I was just thinking, like, gosh, this guy keeps calling me about health insurance. I wish he would just give it a rest. No, but I thought, you know what? Maybe, Maybe there's something good about that. And like I said, I was in that process of building a team and. It just worked out. So it took me a little bit to convince. I mean, he was kind of making he was trying to decide what his next career move was. And and what was really interesting is, is I certainly didn't expect to be recruiting my long-term business partner at the time. For us, it just kind of worked out. He started out helping me with some of the detailed stuff that I just wasn't good at. And then over time, like we were able to kind of mesh our skill sets and personalities to come up with what's now become our multi-million dollar business and money insights. And and then we also own a day spa together, a local brick and mortar day spa. So, so anyway, we were kind of hooked at the hip a little bit and just kind of have been lucky to be able to run things that way.
0: That's perfect. Cause once you get through all the ins and outs of financial paperwork and charts and things, you definitely need a day at the spa. So I think those yes. are very complimentary businesses, <laughs> yes. actually.
3: So if you guys are ever in the Salt Lake area, we'll make sure to hook you up. Okay.
0: nice, Perfect. <laughs> we'll take you up on that. But as far as the partnership, that's something Julie and I talk about all the time is when you come together and you really have, you get along and you trust each mm-hmm. other and you have those complimentary skill sets, those are the mm-hmm. ingredients you need need for that long-term success. So yeah. 10 years, that's incredible. And so you ha- had already launched Money Insights. You were building this team. You bring on Rod. What were you setting out to do with Money Insights? Mm-hmm. What gap were you trying to fill in the marketplace?
3: Yeah. So first off, can I throw out a stat that I think is just like Please. crazy? Maybe yes. two stats. Yes. Okay. So here's just a couple stats. According to the New York Times, of Americans have less than $30,000 in their retirement accounts. Okay. Mm -hmm. According to Hude and associates, four out of five workers will fail to meet their financial needs in retirement. And I could just keep going. There's like, I have like a list Mm -hmm. of like a dozen of these, right? So here's the reason I'm throwing them out there. It's because Money Insights is built because traditional financial planning is just broken. It's a disaster, right? Now I realize that some of it has to do with human behavior and some of it has to do with the actual principles But what I can tell you is that there's a lot of principles that just people are getting taught on the regular, on a regular basis that just, that aren't helping them build wealth. And we like to give an example of kind of one of those ridiculous things being the 4% rule where they use that to determine how much retirement income someone's going to take. So for example, if I had a million dollars, then according to the 4% rule, I could take $40,000 and that would be a safe withdrawal rate. Well, so for us, the bottom line is it's just been such a disaster. And so for people following it, we just want to teach them that there are better ways. There's opportunities inside of a space that's probably less talked about. And so for us, our mission is to, and and we do work in a niche of high income earners, but our niche is and, and kind of our saying is to help high income earners go from high income to high net worth. And that's a surprisingly large challenge that exists for people, right? We work with People who make a lot of money and oftentimes they'll come to us and they just won't have a net worth to speak of, right? And it's not even because they're not doing, they're not saving. It's just that they just don't know how to, where to save. They don't know how to invest. Maybe they don't know how to utilize leverage. And so they need people like you guys and us to work together to teach them how to kind of take the things to the next level. And for us, that's kind of been the niche that Money Insights takes. We take kind of the anti-approach to traditional planning, we do use some really cool tools that we'll talk about. For example, we use life insurance as a tool to either accelerate and optimize what we're doing in investing. Or we also talk about what we call the retirement accelerator, which is just a way to use life insurance to create a, what we call put in place conservative leverage to produce significantly more retirement income than you could get from just contributing to your 401Ks and hoping there's enough money and the market works for you. Does that make sense? So I kind of Mm -hmm. went on a rant there, but that's really what Money Insights is all about.
0: Yeah, high income to high net worth. I love that. I think a lot of people equate the two. But as you mentioned, it's often not the case. When people come to you, when they find money insights, what are they typically looking for? Is it people who are looking to build up their retirement? Is it people looking to build net worth to figure out how to invest? What are some of the things that people are looking for when they come to you guys?
3: I would say the biggest draw to working with us is actually the fact that we work in the alternative investment space. So while we use things like life insurance to opt to create a better return on our real estate investments, at the end of the day, what we're teaching people is is a strategy and plan that kind of combines some of the traditional things. So, So people will certainly come to us with, a more traditional approach, but they wanna, maybe they wanna move outside of that a little bit because really we don't do asset center management and those kind of things anymore. We just left that world behind because we, to be totally honest, we just didn't believe in it. It wasn't working. And so our approach is to get people, what's the right word, exposed, exposed to the alternative space, right? Where they can start investing in things like syndications. And so the people that we work with are almost exclusively high income earners. Who are wanting to move out of the traditional or are already there and they're wanting to utilize one or multiple of the strategies that we do at Money Insights.
0: Got it. Okay. So, okay, I'm sure the listeners, especially if there happens to be a listener out there who just stumbled (laughs) upon this podcast and was like, I think I'll listen to this one. And they've never (laughs) heard of even syndications or whole life insurance. And they heard you say like, we use whole life insurance as a strategy to help you amplify your real estate returns. That might've perked up some ears to think like, what, that's crazy. Whole life insurance can't do that. So Rod, could you give us an overview of yeah. you know what is whole life insurance? What I mean, I think there's so much confusion out there about what sure. it is, what it's for, who should get it. So, what do you guys sell? <laughs> like, yeah, what do well, you advise people? No, to?
1: that's a great question, and that's actually the irony: is we don't pick life insurance because people are looking for life insurance, right? So, here's a typical scenario of someone that we might bump into who is already investing in real estate or in their own business or notes or something. I call it cash flow investing, right? So in other words, they build up some money usually inside of a savings account or maybe a money market account. They take that money, they go and invest it, create some cash flow off of that investment, flow that back into the savings account, build it back up, go do it again, right? This whole idea of velocity and some of these other concepts I know you guys talk about. So there's a huge inefficiency with that model, right? In other words, when that money is on the sidelines between deals, I mean, for a decade now, interest rates haven't been doing anything for us in a savings account, right? So what we're doing with again, whole life insurance is we're optimizing it to make it a better vehicle for that opportunity fund. And the reason why that happens is number one, we're able to create some growth inside of it. Again, what you're not doing in the savings account, it's tax-free growth. And then number three is we're actually creating a a system where we're, we're creating value in two places at the same time with the same dollars. Right.
0: Wait, wait a second. So, yeah, you're I know, te- I know. wait, 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 wait. You're telling <laughs> that me that sounds a little weird. <laughs> yes. So, whole life insurance. Typically, when people think of whole life insurance or term mm-hmm. life insurance, they think, "Well, it's life insurance. So, yeah. I put money in I can't take any money out until I die. Why would right. I get that policy? And how can that possibly help me build wealth for my life while I'm living?" Yeah. So, tell us about that piece. Yeah. You kind of got into it with the double dipping sort yeah. of.
1: Right. Okay. So, so, let's just kind of paint the same picture. It's the same investor investing in the same things. All, instead, what they're doing is they're funneling money into a cash value life insurance policy. And specifically, we're using what we call highly overfunded or max overfunded dividend paying whole life insurance. So, again, there's a lot there. We'll, we'll get to more details on that later. But the whole idea is that we're building up an account that we have access to, you know, one thing that a lot of people don't know enough about whole life to realize is that it does grow. It has a lot of guarantees associated with it in terms of that interest rate growth inside of it. And because it's doing that tax-free, that takes it now to another level. Mm -hmm. And so we're quite literally creating roughly a 5% net return inside of the account, even after considering all of the costs associated with the insurance. And, And that's something the person is capturing, whether they... Use it to go and invest or not. But when they do, what's happening is they're actually taking a loan from the insurance company, using the cash value as collateral for the loan. And then they're taking that money and going out and investing it. So, quite literally, their money stays in that account and continues to grow and compound again with this roughly net 5% tax free growth. And then they took that money, they went and bought a piece of property with it, they invested in a syndication. It's, it's capital for their business. And they're creating value with that money. And then they flow, as, as, they, as that creates cash flow, they flow that back into their policy. They regenerate their opportunity fund and then they go back out and do it again. So again, it's that same cycle. We've just replaced the opportunity fund using this very specially created life insurance policy.
2: So I know some policies have what they call the recognition and the non-recognition. Talk to us a little bit about that. Because I think that's like a little secret thing that unless you heard about it, you don't even know to ask about it. And talk to us about what that means and why it matters.
1: Sure. There are some specific things that happen and different companies may treat the way that the loan works differently. And so really at the end of the day, getting back to your question, so there are differences in direct recognitions versus non-direct recognition there are differences in the ways that the companies structure their policies specifically for growing that cash value that's ultimately what we want right that's why we're using it in the first place right and so what our job is and what we've done is is we've sifted through all of the companies that are, well, to begin with, we're only willing to look at companies who've been around a long, long time, very consistent paying a dividend, very financially secure, A rated insurance companies. Okay, so that's our first level. So there might be 10 companies that fit that criteria. And then we just compare them. We say, okay, dollar for dollar, me putting money into my policy, which one is going to result in the most cash value that I can then loan against and use with my investing? That's our job. Now we have relationships with all those companies, we're continually comparing those products so that we know that when it comes to the, again, the direct versus non-direct and the way that the policies grow that cash value and my ability to access it, how soon can I access it, et cetera, all of those things, we're just putting our clients in the best place possible for the goal of using that for the investing that they're doing.
2: So I'm curious, which one do you think is better? Recognition uh, or non-recognition? <laughs>
1: question. Yeah. The answer is, it depends.
2: It depends. <laughs> I know you're
1: going to say. Um, that. Oh man, what a, what a sit-on-the-fence answer. I'm not an attorney. I'm not an attorney. <laughs> get, off fence, just, Rod, get off the fence, God. Get off the fence. But the reason is because the, the way that those different things work is, it depends on, is for example, in a rising interest rate environment, Direct recognition is better. In a low in a dropping interest rate environment, non-direct recognition is better. Problem is I have to pick one, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna have this policy for the next, who knows, right? 20, 30, 40 years. And so uh, at the end of the day, though, it's just optimizing the policy for what we want to do. And so again, mm-hmm. that that's our job. We just know the products. We're always comparing, we we know what they're doing. And so just p- putting people in the best position. How's that do for you? Have, do do you can have, I give well, you my take on that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay,
3: just uh, I'm going to be less of a fence sitter than Rod. My, <laughs> I've got a hard take. My hard take is that the whole idea of direct and non-direct recognition is just so overblown. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you want the policy that creates the most cash, right? Mm-hmm. So the greatest value that someone gets from using the investment optimizer, or this, this whole life insurance policy as a vehicle to optimize investing is that instead of getting no return, you're going to get a 5% tax-free return. And like Rod said, it doesn't matter whether your money's there or not. And so it's kind of like a tax free, supercharged or savings account that just makes life a little bit easier. But to your question, I just think for people listening, like it really doesn't matter nearly as much as how the cash value grows. So when we look at it, that's going to be a factor, but it'll be lower down the list because when you do the analysis, and believe me, we've done a ton of it. It just doesn't matter as much as the infinite banking crowd would like
1: to suggest that it does. Mm -hmm. And here's the reason why is because our goal is not to create arbitrage because I took a loan, Mm
4: -hmm.
1: right? That's not my goal. That's not the end goal, right? That may Mm -hmm. be an additional benefit that I can capture, but that's not the reason I'm doing it. The reason we created and are using the investment optimizer is specifically to use in conjunction with investing. We want to Mm -hmm. create value in multiple places at the same time not just create a situation where we're by simply by taking a loan, trying to create value. Again, not that it doesn't do that, but that's just Mm -hmm. not why we're doing it. That's Mm -hmm. our beginning point.
2: So what kind of investments do you guys do? You do syndication and what other vehicles do you guys use?
1: So ultimately we recommend and do
3: things with just about every alternative asset uh, class that you can do. Now we don't do most of the next level of it, right? So we're Mm -hmm. focused on the planning, the putting together the strategies, and then we'll usually recommend great people like you guys who are out there investing, who want to raise capital to do deals. And so for us, it's mostly about vetting and finding great opportunities. And we're open and willing to look in various places. We just have to, we just focus on making sure it's places that have a really strong track record and that mm-hmm. we'll do what we want it to do, which is ultimately mm-hmm. build someone's net worth. And so we're careful about it. We're open to all sorts of different alternative asset class opportunities.
2: Do you guys have like a typical strategy that you generally recommend? I don't know, like you go to McDonald's and you order a number one or a number yeah. two, like is it as easy yeah. as that? or like no yeah,
3: yeah, no. yeah for sure. okay. so, so <laughs> I would say the typical so we work our niches with physicians, right? So mm-hmm. the typical physician that let's say they're not already out there investing doing their thing usually we'll get them into syndications because that's an easy way for them to, obviously you have to be an accredited investor to, to do that, but for the most part, but usually if they don't have app, app exposure to the investment world, the alternative investment world, and maybe they're just not ready to jump in completely, normally what we'll do is we'll go into the syndication world first and then mm. that'll give exposure and then we can kind of make recommendations from there. But I would say the path then would be someone comes in, they set up their investment optimizer Right, which is what we call the whole life insurance concept. Mm -hmm. They set that policy up, then they then use that money flow in and out. And we would probably start with syndications, and then we might move on to different, various different things. Whether it's business, whether it's even individual stocks, like it could be a variety of different things. But ultimately, we just want to focus on making sure that they're doing the right planning steps, so that whatever investments we ultimately decide on. Those are going to be optimized to create, produce greater net worth.
0: I was going to pause for a second because Julie, I would love for you to tell your story because I know you've had your whole life policies set up for a while and you use them to invest, Mm -hmm. actively invest in Mm syndicate. And That's for,
3: awesome. But I way. want our
0: listeners oh, yes, to know that we've had multiple people on the, mm-hmm. the show now. We've had Brian Lee of Cashflow Tactics, MC Lobster of Cashflow Ninja, and now you guys talking about this concept of infinite banking and whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. Not because we're like, okay, you guys go do it, but because we're actually doing it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's such an incredible strategy and one that so few people know about. So Julie, I'd love mm-hmm. for you to tell your story about how you're using it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, just really quickly, I basically have policies on myself and my husband and my three children, right? And so the way that we're using it for my children, it's kind of acting as like a savings account for them. And I use it as a tool for them. I show them, here's the money that you have. When you earn money, it goes into the policy. And then when we want to buy something, we take a loan out and we say, okay, how many months is it going to take for us to initiate a payment back on a monthly basis? How long is it going to take? And so on and so on it goes, right? And so for my kids, it's a tool that we use as to teach them about how to save and how to earn and pay back. And it's a place that they'll always have that for the rest of their lives, right? It's a whole life, whole life insurance, meaning they'll have it for their whole life. And so that's the way we use it there. And then for my husband and I, one of us, we have it as a sleep, we call it our sleep at night account that allow, mm. it's just like our savings account, right? That's yeah. where we keep our stash, our money. And then the other one we use to invest in real estate. And so that one, whenever I have an investment, I take out money, invest it into a deal, and then I pay it back through the payments for when a deal exits. And that's how I use my policy. So that's kind of yeah. how how we use it. it. But one thing I wanted to ask you on that note, and that, this was my next question, was around the question that i get a lot of times is i don't get it how do i you invest in deals with the money how does that work so tell the listeners because I understand how to do it and I have my own way to do it and I don't know if it's the right way or the wrong way. I mean, I pull out the money and then, you know, when I get distributions or we have an influx of cash, I pay it back and then re- rinse and repeat, right? Yeah. But I'm curious to hear what you guys recommend to your the clients that you work with on how to best optimize the loan taking part of it and then the paying back part of it. Like what does that look like? Do you guys have a Time frame that you recommend, like within a year, it should be paid back. Or what is that? Like for somebody who's listening and says, okay, I'm going to go out, I'm going to get a life insurance policy and I want to do this thing. And I want to, a lot of our audience, they already invest in syndications, but they don't know this other piece of it. What does that whole process look like?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, to begin with it, it looks an awful lot like what it was when you were using your savings account, right? Mm-hmm. As you, as you have that money and you're setting it aside, you just set it into this account first. And as simple as that sounds, that's a critical piece that a lot of people leave out. So in other words, you have a deal that's cashing out, you get Mm -hmm. 50 grand that's coming to you and you already know where it's going next. So option A, you just take that money and go put it into the next deal or option B, you put it in the policy first, take a loan against it and then go invest in the next deal. Right? So Obviously, option B, and again, the way I explain it, I, I like to talk in terms of buckets, right? So this opportunity fund is nothing less than a bucket from which we're doing our investing, right? Well, every dollar I put into it stays there, right? Again, I'm loaning against that money; I'm not taking that money back out. So if I, let's say, my policy allows me to put a hundred thousand a year into it, okay, and A year goes past and I missed my opportunity to get a new $100,000 into the policy because I took that 50 grand and I just went and immediately invested it somewhere else. So that's an opportunity lost. Bad things aren't going to happen, right? But it's an opportunity lost. I missed my chance to grow the size of my bucket that is in there continuing to earn this guaranteed interest and dividend and in the background while I'm out into the next deal. So here's the way I prioritize the money coming to. So number one, I would say pay the interest on your loan first, right? One of the biggest pieces of value that we create while we're doing this, just this flow of cash is that we, we're we paying interest on the loan, but because we're continually flowing money into it, we're paying simple interest on the loan. But the money that's growing in my account is growing on a compound basis, right? And, and over time, I think people know this, but But there's a huge difference between simple and compound. If I'm paying simple and I'm earning compound over time, even if it's the exact same interest rate, I'm going to end up earning a lot more than what I'm paying. Okay. So that's my priority. Number one, I always want to make sure I'm paying the interest on my loan. Number two, I want to always as much as possible be max funding my policy. So again, whatever that funding level is that I've set up with my policy, I want to max fund it every year if possible, get as close as possible to doing that. And then after that, then I'll start paying down the loan, the loan principal, right? That's remaining in the policy after that. So that's my one, two, three. When we have this lump sum of cash that comes into your world, what should you do with it? That's what you want to do.
2: Oh my gosh, that's so good. That's like the gold. That right there is like the stuff that people don't know, right? It's so confusing. It's this world of like, I don't understand how this works. And it's those little secrets that I think helps people kind of wrap their head around it and figure out, okay, how does this work? And what's the best way to do it? Because you hear about it from all different kinds of people and how how to do this kind of stuff. So I love that. Talk to us a little bit about the fees because I know a lot of people are like, well, if I put in this money today, then right away, I lose 30% or 40% in the first year or longer. Sometimes it takes more than a year. So how does that typically work? And do you have opportunities where it can be, the fees can be lower in the beginning or what does that look like?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And like I said earlier, we minimize the cost as low as we can get it. Whether we're talking about cost of insurance, administrative costs, what we get paid, everything—we're just reducing it as low as we can. But there's no way to get around the fact that it does. There are costs associated with it, and they're—you know—they're somewhat front-end loaded in the policy. So, like you said, you put in—I'll go back to my example—hundred thousand goes into the policy right away. The person's going to have the way that we that we build them—they're going to have seventy-five to eighty thousand of that that lands in the cash value. And you're like, Rod, I just lost twenty grand. Right? What happened to the twenty grand? And at the end of the day, it's kind of like the cost of entry, right? It's like when you buy the real estate, there are costs, right? When you go get the loan, you, you, there are costs. When you buy the stock, there's costs, right? On the front end. And so just think of it as a similar kind of thing here. But w- one thing that if, if you'll go to our website and watch the webinar that we have on, on the investment optimizer, right at the end, we have a sample where we show what it looks like for an investor. With the same exact investment pattern going through the investment optimizer versus doing it through a savings account, and in the end, in this case, we should, the example is someone who's setting aside $100,000 a year for five years that they're going to use with in real estate investing. Well, at the end of 20 years, it's a difference of two million dollars of additional value that they have by using the investment optimizer than they would if they didn't. So, yeah. I just ask the question: Would you rather give up the 20 grand today to get two million in 20 years, yep. or not? Right. Yep.
4: I love that. And so so
1: that's that's really what it boils down to is the value that you you get over time. It takes time, Mm -hmm. just like any other real valuable investment. Yeah.
3: And and I think it's important for people to realize like over time, the way that it's built, if it's done properly, like we do it, it actually is very low cost. Life insurance can be very low cost, but it is still front loaded, right? So Mm -hmm. it doesn't appear low cost in that first year, but then what happens is I pay it the first time, and then ongoingly I'm not paying all of those costs, right? Like the drastic difference between year one and year two is significant. And then once you get into year three, every time you put a contribution into it, you're getting more back out of it. So like the longer you go on, and I think it's important, right? It is a longer term play, but the longer it goes on, the more you'll like your life and your whole life insurance policy, because it just, you throw cash in it And it just earns dividends and comes back to you. You can flow money in and out. It becomes amazing, but it is like that hurdle of that first year. And we totally get it. So for some people, it's too much to swallow because the long-term isn't enough to overcome that that first piece. But for most people, once they get the idea and they understand it, they're saying, okay, it's worth it to have to take the hit now for all of the value that I'm getting over the long-term. And so- One of the strategies that we help people get is most people that we work with will use this investment optimizer strategy in some way, shape or form, because it just ends up being so valuable over time. And like I said, I love putting money into it now, but I didn't the first year.
2: So you said something that you just like breezed right over. And it's like the the important thing that I want people (laughs) to understand at one point for every dollar you put in. You get like two dollars back or whatever, a dollar mm-hmm. fifty back. I mean, over time. So how does that work? Because I was on the phone with somebody the other day. I'm like, they asked me that question. They're like, what What do you mean? <laughs> like, I don't like yeah. every dollar you put in at some point, the cash value goes up. So if you put in a hundred thousand in a year, it'll become 150,000 in, in the yeah. cash value. So talk to us about that. How do you explain that in a way that a person can understand how that works?
3: So basically these policies earn interest in two ways. First is the guaranteed interest rate. It's a 4% for all companies. And then there's a dividend above and beyond that. And let's just call that 2%. So what happens then is in that first year, it looks ugly because I have the costs, right? And let's say that that's 20% of my first year's contribution. When I start moving through that, I'm still, my cost has then been reduced, but my interest and dividends are continuing. So what happens is, is each year you've removed more time from the cost. And so now when you're putting money into it, you're just getting all of that money is going toward... The cash value, which is now earning the guaranteed interest rate and the dividend, and so just over time, it becomes one of those things where you get that dividend every year, and it really does feel like you're you're putting money in to get cash back, and it's really cool that way. But does that answer the question?
1: Well, yeah. And one thing I would add to that is because you're loaning against that and going and investing that somewhere, you could have a million dollars in your cash value, and you take nine hundred thousand of that, nine hundred fifty thousand of that as a loan. Well, you still have a million dollars in the policy continuing to grow, right? Mm-hmm. Earning that interest and earning the dividend. So that, again, just this whole idea of compounding, the longer I wait, I'm not missing what's on the front end. I'm missing what's on the back end, yeah. right? If we're talking about a, an infinite curve that's going upwards, well, I'm chopping off some of that latter end of, of the mm-hmm. curve the longer I wait to start that mm-hmm. compounding.
2: Yeah, I love that. Great job at explaining that. That's a difficult thing for me to try to explain. Great questions, um, by the way, yeah. both of them. I think one last question I wanted to ask that, I, and I know that this is possible and a lot of people ask about this and how this works is the ability at some point in the policy to be able to take distributions out and never pay it back. That's wild, right? Like, how does that work? Like, help me explain that in a way that makes sense. And at what point in the policy does that happen? And is it the same always for everyone or does it depend on how you set the policy up or what does that look like?
1: Yeah. Good question. So the good news is, is there's no difference in the way we set up the policies we're always going to optimize for building the cash value, right? Which is different than what you get. If you just go down the street to your, your local neighborhood life insurance person, you know, even for someone
3: who wanted death benefit as their focus, we would optimize the policy because over time it will be more valuable and we'd supplement it with term insurance. Right. Mm-hmm. So even in that situation, so when Rod says we always optimize it completely, that's kind of our guarantee, right? You will not find a policy written from our group that isn't perfectly optimized to create maximum cash with the right companies too. So
1: yeah. I cut you off, Rod, yeah. but I wanted to throw yeah, that no out. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So now getting back to your question. All right. So I call phase one, this whole, what we've been talking about with the investing, right? We're flowing money in and out of the policy for investing. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to this place and probably a lot of your listeners don't think of retirement the same way that most Americans do, but let's say I'm slowing down in my investing and I'm I'm wanting to rely more on these, these streams of income that I've created. Well, this can become a stream of income, right? I've built up value inside of my policy. And, and so it can turn into not just a stream of income, but a, but a tax-free stream of income. In other words, I'm putting in after-tax dollars as I'm funding it. But then everything that comes back out while I'm doing the loans to invest, now when I'm taking in income for retirement, or even when I pass away and this death benefit pays out, all of those mo- that money coming back out is going to come out tax-free, okay? income tax-free. So anyway, so I have this pot of money there. I'm, I'm just going to start flowing the money back out to use in, in retirement. There's no, There aren't any rules about age. You don't have to be 59 and a half. they are not going to (laughs) force you to start taking it at age 72, right? So uh, it's just completely up to you as to when you want to start doing that.
0: We'll get back to our conversation with Rod and Christian in just a minute.
4: Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals,
0: And now, back to our chat with Christian Allen and Rod Ziberski.
3: So, yeah. so one of the things that happens is, well, there's, two, there's kind of two parts to it. So when we take money out of the policy inside of the investment optimizer strategy, oftentimes when we get into that retirement phase, we'll initially take... Actual distributions. I'm not talking about loans. We'll take actual right. distributions, mm-hmm. and the way that the tax code, that it, the way that the policy taxed, is that I can take out my contributions without any tax. Obviously, I've already paid those, right? Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. we'll do is we'll oftentimes take out, maximize what we're taking out there, and then we'll move to loans as we move into the growth on the policy. But by doing that, we can take out a, a huge amount of income, and then what happens? Tax free without ever paying it back then the death benefit ultimately comes in and pays it back for us. I could have a, a $5 million policy, have $4.5 million loan against it. And at my death, that loan is covered by the death benefit. Mm-hmm. And let's just say that it's a $7 million death benefit. It would go and cover that $4.5 million of cash and give $2.5 million of death benefit after that. So it's really wow. cool because it can like swoop in there and cover up some of those things. And, and it does make a huge difference. It's why the money can come out and stay tax-free indefinitely. And I also want to just add that we do it differently with the retirement accelerator. In other words, we use this process of going from starting with regular distributions from the policy and then moving to loans on the retirement accelerator, which we use an entirely different kind of life insurance. We use index universal. People think that's a swear word in the infinite banking world. (laughs)
4: Uh, We're like really
3: going against the grain on this. But all I can tell you is is that it's super, super powerful. But in that strategy, what we're doing is we're using all loans. We want to maximize the amount of leverage. Because over there, we're talking about having had the bank put in a lot of the money, the majority of the money to our policy rather than ourselves doing it, which is maybe a different conversation entirely. But again, some of it depends on the strategy. When we're using what we call the investment optimizer and other people will know as the infinite banking concept, we want to generally do it distributions and then move to loans.
2: Love all of this. Oh my goodness. So much valuable information. I think one last question I just (laughs) wanted to ask was around how many policies can one have? If let's say we have listeners out there who are like, well, I already have a whole life insurance policy and I'm already using it. Can you have yeah. more? Can you have more than one? Does it make sense? Does it depend? <laughs>
1: yeah, the answer is that the number of policies is really not, there's no limit on that. Mm-hmm. The, the limitation comes in on the amount of insurance associated with that right? So the insurance mm. companies are going to look at an individual or, or a family and say, okay, well, put it this way, Bill Gates can get a lot more insurance than I can, right? <laughs> that might be obvious, but that, that just kind of illustrates the idea that you know, based on my income or my net worth, the insurance companies are going to cap the amount of insurance I can get. But mm. I could have, and we, we literally have a client who has more than 60 policies, some of them oh on himself, gosh. some of them on his family, some of them on employees, et cetera, et cetera. He's believed in it for decades and it shows but wow. but anyway, there yeah, there's no limitation on the number of policies that you can have.
2: Wait, on his employees? What? What He's, is
1: that? Oh He's man, like that's a whole nother yes. conversation, right? It's oh like employee gosh. benefit package includes a whole life policy.
2: That is wild. So, okay, we're gonna have to do a round two and talk about that on another one for all of our <laughs> entrepreneurs out there listening to this. Sure. All right, okay. Well, we're gonna move into the investing for good impact round. We're going to ask you guys a couple of questions. I'll leave it up to you guys on who wants to answer what question, but we'll start with the first one, investing in yourself. So what is one way that your investments are allowing you to live a better life?
3: Okay, I'll start, Rod. So. I think more than anything, it's like time and financial freedom, right? To do the things that you care about that are important to you. So Rod and I are both fortunate to be in a position where because of the way that we've invested our money, but also invested in ourselves through education and invested in our business, all of those things together have created a time and financial freedom. So we don't have to be in a situation where we miss important events because of work, or we can really do that. And that's been a real blessing. And so I think more than anything, that's what it's been about for me. And like I said, we've been lucky to have to get to a point where we don't have to worry about that. And it just feels incredibly, I don't know if gratifying is the right word. It feels freeing, I guess, mm-hmm. to not have to worry about those things. I had my son, he had two Achilles surgeries because he you know, had these super tight Achilles recently, he had to get the surgery on it. And he was just having an issue the other day with his calf. And it was nice for me to just be able to do the thing. Like, take care of it. I didn't have to think about or worry about what was going on at work. Rod was covering anything we needed at that point, but but it just really is, makes a huge difference. So that wasn't very lightning fast. Was it? I'll try to be quicker.
2: <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. I mean, time freedom is everything for me. It's why I got into this business. It's why I have Whole life insurance policies. I mean, at the end of the day, I want to be able to put my money to work for me so that I don't have to go to work so that I can have more time and freedom in my days. And so I love that. All right. Second question, investing in others. So what is one investment strategy or life hack or something you might be able to share with the audience that'll help them catapult their investing journey?
1: I'll throw this one. So the key on this one is it's mo- It's about more than just the value of the asset, right? Or the value of the asset is more than than just the what Return. you could sell it for or or whatever, right? It's mm-hmm. and one of the biggest pieces that just a lot of people aren't thinking about is the the cash flow you can create from it, right? So I'm going back to I, I mentioned earlier that I was, I was big on Robert Kiyosaki and Richard Portad. And that was one of the lessons that I learned that I have to remind myself regularly and other people regularly is that the actual value of, for example, the real estate property is not as important as the regular stream of income that it's kicking off to me, right? I mm-hmm. thought of people get caught up in, well, what's my net worth? What's my nest egg? What's my number, right? So that I can retire, whatever, you know, however you want to phrase that. And all of those things matter, right? I'm not saying they don't matter, But what matters more is what it's doing for you to create that time freedom and financial freedom.
2: I love that so much because it's all about how can you take the assets that you have today, the money that you have today and put it to work for you so that it Mm -hmm. can serve you in your life today, not 30 years from now or 40 years from now, a day and a time you may never even see. And that was so much of... My journey in real estate investing and why I do everything that I do now and how I was able to leave my job and travel and do all these fun things was really mm. prioritizing that cash flow today. And then living in California, that was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so looking for cash Absolutely. flow and properties outside of California was really a priority and continues to be for us. It's why we do the multifamily syndication stuff. So love that. All right. Last question is investing in the world. So what is one thing that you guys are doing right now with your Investments to make the world a better place.
3: I'll take it. So I think for us, it's a, we love business, right? So my passion and hobby is business. Although my most active business is Money Insights, I love business in general. And for me, I just love the idea of building businesses and giving back by actually creating jobs and creating opportunities and helping people achieve their own financial freedom. And so for me, I think the way that I have kind of invested in the world is to try to help other people find success and get to a place where they can kind of pay it forward, I guess.
0: Love that paying it forward. And I think I speak for both Julie and I when I say that you guys are an inspiration, you've done so much to help so many people. And so I'm sure our listeners are going to want to follow up with you and learn more. So Rod, what's the best place that they can go to learn more about all that you guys do?
1: Yeah, great question. So here's what I would say is a great starting point. We have something we've put together called our F3 assessment. It stands for financial freedom factor. That's what the F3 is. But basically what it is, is it's just a, a really quick way for somebody to get a good feel for where they are right now on this road to financial freedom. And so it gives you a starting point. Measure where you are, figure out what where you're lacking maybe, go from there. So go to F3assessment.com and you can fill out, it's, it's just an online assessment you can do really quickly and good place for where you are. And then hopefully that would lead to our, our opportunity to have conversations where we can get into more detail on ways that we can help people move people down the road towards that financial freedom.
0: Perfect. Well, we will have links to all of that in the show notes. Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie of Money Insights, thank you so much for being here with us and diving deep into how all of this works.
3: <laughs> thank, thank, you. thank you. It's been our ahead. pleasure. A lot of fun. Thanks again.
0: You've been listening to the Life and Money Show, the number
2: one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out
0: Goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of this show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations.